Hey guys, Brody Swisher here. Welcome back to the Hunting Roots Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by OnX. If you're not familiar with OnX, man, dig a little deeper, figure out what it's all about. It is the app that every hunter, fisherman, outdoors person needs in their phone. And I promise you, it is the app that lets you know where you stand. That's the slogan. Know where you stand, and it will do just that. It will get you into and out of all kind of places. Good stuff. And if you're not careful, maybe some messes too along the way. You'll dig a little deeper. I promise you, you'll go a little further when you got OnX in there. The good thing is it, it will get you back out. But it's not just for hunters and fishermen and outdoors people. People like Papa Swish, my dad. Papa Swish doesn't get out and hunt. He's not going deep into the woods. But what he's used it for, and we got to share with him, is the fact that he can figure out who lives up and down the street all around him in his little neighborhood it's been a beautiful tool for him he can say hey you know what i've got the neighbor over here that has got some poison ivy growing junk up the trunk and over the fence on my side i need to reach out to the neighbor and say hey man can we do something about this poison ivy you mind if i come over here and do a little trimming in the off season and and knock it out so it's not an issue come summertime this poison ivy growing up from the neighbor's side growing up the side of the fence over the big six foot wood privacy fence down onto their side and spreading out all around by the pool and all it's just a mess and he was able to take that on x app on his phone i got to show him hey look here here's your neighbor here's the name here's who you need to talk to and so just a cool cool thing on x is the one to have it's well worth the price of admission put it on your phone and always know where you stand good stuff from those guys we really appreciate them being a part of the hunting roots podcast hey this episode here is one i promise you you will be glad you downloaded The episode is with Tony Peterson, one of the funnest dudes you can possibly spend time with in hunting camp. I've had the opportunity to hang out with him on several hunts for deer, hog, turkey, I guess. I'm trying to think where all we've been, Uh, but some good times, good opportunities. He is uh, an avid bow hunter. He's been in all the best of the best publications and media outlets from uh, bow hunter, uh, I guess bow hunter TV. You may have seen him on some of those. Uh, Dude's always popping up somewhere, anything related to bow hunting, deer hunting, He's got it going on, and so uh, just a great dude, tons of fun. Again, I promise you, camp is always a highlight when you've got Tony Peterson in camp. Dude's just a nut. He's so much fun to hang out with, and he just he's, he's relentless on the good times. He's, he's just a funny, funny dude, one of those guys. Every camp needs a guy like Tony Peterson in there to keep things lively. But one of the biggest things about Tony that I uh, have always noticed from the first time I had a chance to spend camp with him was the fact that he – is the guy that's going to get some stuff done. You go to a camp that's not uh, the camp you thought it was, or maybe one of these media hunts where you thought it's going to be a really good experience, and it turns out it was crap. It was there was no game. Uh, you were promised hopes and dreams, and, and and all that came crashing down from the first day, and you realize it's going to be a struggle. The animals just aren't here. Tony is that guy that will turn a crap situation into something good he's the guy that you know you go on a deer hunt and the deer aren't showing up what is he going to do he's going to go shoot some hogs he's going to figure out how to make something happen so tony peterson's the kind of guy you want to have because he knows how to bring home the meat needless to say he's a good one to get on the hunting roots podcast so we're going to have him share several stories we'll always dig back to the first deer uh, but one of the stories we want to bring him to today is a fence incident he had that will make you cringe. It will make you hold on tight. Every person needs to hear this to make you think twice about stepping over that barbed wire fence. So Tony's going to share that one with us today. Let's get him on the line. What's up, buddy? Stone Cold Tony Peterson. What's happening? <laughs> Is that my nickname? Always. Yes, sir. I uh, 
I interviewed Andy May last night for Wired to Hunt, and yeah, we were just BSing off air, and a couple guys came up, and uh, we both agreed wholeheartedly that if you give yourself a nickname, you're a douchebag. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> absolutely correct. Yes, yeah, and I've tried to explain that to several people as kindly as I could, and uh, yeah, you you got to earn that sucker, man. Yeah, you got yeah. you got to earn that. You don't go naming yourself. Yeah, don't call yourself an expert, (laughs) and don't give yourself a nickname. Yeah, oh, crap. Well, man, hey, listen, I want to kill a couple birds with one stone today if we can. We'll talk a few different things, but I wanted to see if we can just kind of go back. You know, I talked to you before about going back to your roots, your first – I want to hear first deer story, and then – but, you know, I want to just kind of lead off, if you would. Just kind of tell us. I mean, I think most – most anybody that's in the bow hunting world would know you and and knows your name and been around that, but – uh, for those that don't, just kind of give us a backstory on on how you got started, and uh, like I said, we can we can roll right out of your first deer story into that. Just kind of give us a story on uh, who you are, what you do, and where you've been, and what you're doing now. Man, my first my first deer kill. So my my dad was a you know bow hunter growing up, grouse hunter, pheasant hunter. You know he got into turkeys as soon as you could start hunting them in Minnesota, and so he got me into it, got me hooked, but. I just got my butt kicked for my first, almost my first four full seasons. So I could start at 12 Yeah, and it was the, the end of 2015 and in, or sorry, not 2015, 1995. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a writer. I'm not a math guy. (laughs) Uh, So I was, I was, you know, in high school, I was 15 years old. Yep. We had gotten permission to hunt this farm and I had been, all over little bucks and I had missed them and missed them and missed them. And I'd had this season where I was just like encounters were happening, but I could not close it. I couldn't close the deal. Yeah. And right at the end of the season, uh, a buddy of mine named Tim Walker, he and I were talking and we had been driving down this road and saw all these deer in this field. And we knew the family who owned it. Yeah. And, you know, we were, we were 15, you know, he was 16, he was driving and we're like, let's just ask him. Yeah. And Tim was the kind of guy who would just call anybody up. So he called them up and they said, go ahead. There was, I think there was like four days left of the season. I think it was like December 27th. Mm. And so we went and pulled, I had one stand, went and pulled it because that was the only stand we had to use. Right. And Tim was just going to go sit on the ground. So we walked into this place and it, you know, it was a bunch of snow and it was cold and I just picked a spot where there's a bunch of trails, you know, in the snow, got my stand up and I'm sitting there and I looked right through the little grate of my stand and there was a fawn, uh, button buck below me. Yeah. And I was like, Oh man. And so I stood up and of course he heard me, saw me, whatever. And he kind of trotted out and then started just walking in front of me. And you know, there were no range finders, nothing. I was just, I just drew back and let fly. I don't, you know, I probably didn't aim anything, but that arrow went and just zipped through, just center punched him. Nice. And like, oh my God, like, I cannot believe that just happened. Yeah. And he ran off and it was, it was pure luck. Like it was, <laughs> it, it was just that dude had a bad day Yeah. and ran off and, uh, so, you know, no cell phones or anything. So I had to wait till dark and met up with Tim and we had to borrow my mom's car cause he couldn't get his mom's car. 
and to come back and we went in and blood trailed it through the snow and found that little button buck and it was like it was unbelievable i mean i remember gutting that deer in the snow and the blood was freezing to my hands Mm. and i just remember being like i cannot believe i finally have one yeah yeah i mean it took me four full seasons essentially and i hunted every chance i could like i my mom used to drive me out to the woods and drop me off and pick me up almost every night the weekends i'd hunt with my dad and it was just incredible to finally possess one even though it was just a little tiny button buck you know it was just it was amazing oh dude that's that's me man i I knew we were kindred spirits from way back we've talked about that before but that was my first bow kill was was a button buck and i don't know we talked about that before or not but my gosh it was there was nothing like it i mean i'd seen a big doe out in the field and, and thought that with her she had circled around or whatever but this you know a few minutes later after seeing the doe cross the field i Look down the field edge I'm sitting in, and here comes this deer. As far as I knew, it was that doe. It didn't matter. And um, yep. 10 yards, and I drew back and shot, saw the sucker run out there, saw that white butt getting sideways as it cleared the field, and, and then I heard a crash. I thought, same thing, man. I thought, holy smokes, I finally killed one with my bow and walked up there as a little nubbing buck. Man, I could throw that. I, I did throw it. I carried it out like a turkey over my shoulder. Just had the hind legs and just carried I mean, it was that small but dude i was never proud you know what i'm saying man it was like you talk about yeah, i had yeah. done it man i had killed something with my bow and uh yeah man it, it, it couldn't have been any bigger you know story as far as had horns on its head or whatever i was so proud of of that buck went home took pictures i mean i got that little picture and, and uh that's a button buck that changed my life game changer so that was your first one i mean so you started with the bow or was that just your your first bow kill or did you start off with that no, I, I always, I started with a bow. Yeah. You know, we didn't, my, my dad didn't gun hunt. He loves guns, but he didn't gun hunt deer much. Yeah. And it was just kind of our thing. We just bow hunted. I mean, I never picked up a gun to, uh, to hunt big game until I was in probably my mid twenties. Yeah. And you know, it just, we just bow hunted and you know, I, I tell you what though, I remember it might've been that year earlier in the season or it might've been the year before but I had, you know, missed my fifth buck of the season or something. And I was like, I told my dad, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to do this anymore. This is too hard. Yeah. And he told me, he said, you know, we'll, we'll take the 20 gauge out and, you know, sight it in with some slugs if you want. And for like three days, I was like, I kind of want to do that. Like, I yeah. just want to go kill one. And then after not hunting for just a little bit and getting over my little pity party, I was like, man, I just, this is just what I do. I don't know. I just, yeah. I want to go get it done this way. Yeah. And, you know, it was, there was so much frustration in those years just yeah. to, to, to want it so bad, but to be so bad at it. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like it ended with that little button buck. I mean, I, I struggled with that stuff for years and years and years. And even when it started coming more consistently and, you know, some of the bigger bucks started to come, it's like, man, I still have stretches where I'm like, I don't, it feels like I don't know what I'm doing. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, sit out there sometimes and i'm like i am not on my game i don't know why i don't know what's going on but i still slip back to that you know early hunter mode where sometimes i'm just like geez i I should i don't belong here (laughs) yeah i think i was meant to be a golfer or something yeah well and see that's what i was going to ask you if you ever have those days and i know you do but i mean where you just suck or you just you just blow a shot blow it big like from back in the early days miss shot you know like you shoot two foot over the back of one and and 
you have those days where you're like, Dad, go, what the heck, man? I, I just suck. I, I'm an outdoor writer. I, I write stories <laughs> about this stuff, and then, and, and then I can't even get it done. You know what I'm saying? Have you had those days where you just, you, you're like, uh, you know, you go home and you're thinking, I just need to, I need to throw in the towel. This is re- ridiculous, man. I mean, uh, I just blew it again. It's total, total rookie moment, even, even still. And, uh, I have those, man. I always wonder if other guys are, are ever experiencing that when you're well in your career, you've been shooting all kind of stuff for years now, and then you just blow it so bad. Uh, and, and then like I said, it's every embarrassing season. every season. Yeah. I, I have days and I have stretches of days every season where I feel that way. Yeah. Where I'm just like, I, I'm getting it wrong. Like I'm just either, you know, and it comes in two ways, right? It's either like you just blank when you're like, why? I was so confident I was going to be on deer. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, they're not here. This, this happens to me up in Northern Wisconsin all the time where you know, I just, I'm like, this is it. I'm going to get on these big woods bucks now Mm -hmm. and I'll have just, nothing just nothing going on or you'll have those times which i actually think sting worse where you get on them and you still can't close for some reason where you're like you know i had him right there i had him 20 yards away and i just you know made the wrong move or drew at the wrong time or just i you know i I tried to cheat the wind a little too much and it got me i mean yeah it happens and that's that's the thing about like that I get, I'm sure you do too, but I get like really anxious about our job or our jobs is like, you know, out in the media, like writing and and creating videos and stuff is you tend to default to like sizzle reel mode where you're like, you know, I killed this buck and I did this and I killed this. And I, you know, I put three of these on the wall because it's, it's like easy, but we're not talking about all of the times we screw up, you know, it's getting better out there, I think. Right. But that's what always made me nervous. Like, man, I don't want to present this image that it's just like walk out and take your pick and go home. Like, yeah, it, there's a, there's a pile of struggle behind every one of those deer. That's right. Yeah. Well, and that's the, that's the side. I had a conversation with Will, uh, Will Brantley not long ago, just, uh, talk about that very thing. We just talking about, man, you know, that's it, social media. It, it's, it's life. And it, whether it's hunting, just bragging on your kids, um, you know, your, your relationship, a spouse, whatever it is, you know, we put all the good stuff up on social media and we put the grip and grins and, Oh, look at me and my child in the blind. And we, we're doing so good. We're so sweet together. And, and they don't see the, the dang near whipping that I put on that kid beforehand because they were, you know, wouldn't shut up or they, you know, they kept running their mouth. You know, they just, you yep. know, all the crazy stuff of just better shoot this deer, get ready. Come on. You know, and all the junk that goes on with it, they see the sweet father, son or father, daughter picture, but, all the crap that went to going on, blowing our temper and just whatever to get to that point. And, uh, um, all the struggle, the bottom line is a, a struggle and, and TV does it. And, uh, even articles that we do write, you know, it still does it too. Cause everybody sees, Oh, here's went to this place. Here's the place. Here's the story. Here's the buck picture. And, uh, yep. we narrow it down to that fine moment, but there's so much struggle that goes in and there, there's a whole lot more struggle that than the, than the grip and grin for sure. Um, so it makes those moments obviously sweeter when we do get to capitalize and it all comes together. But my gosh, there's a lot of, a lot of just, uh, tough, tough stuff in the season to, to get to that point. And, and of course that's why we keep going back. Yeah, we know. I mean, that's when you, when you get to these points where you're having like a, a, a rough go of it, 
you know, if you've done this enough, you do kind of just learn that like the only way out is through. Yeah. And you, you know, if you're on a bad stretch or you're making bad decisions, you know, you know, maybe take a day off and have a reset moment or something. But the, the best way to get over it is just to keep pushing it until the good thing happens. Yeah. Cause, cause it'll come. That's right. You know, and it, but, and it, I think that's the, the thing that you get with experience is, you know, you know how to make that, that outcome more likely in a shorter period of time when you're kind of starting out or when you're, you know, when you don't have a lot of experience in this, those, the good times, the highs, they can be real far apart. That's right. And it's, and it's real difficult to stick with it when, you know, that space between your ears, you're just like, this is not, I'm not having fun. Right. (laughs) Like I'm not enjoying this. I'm supposed to be. And this is a big sacrifice that isn't really giving me what I need. And that happens to everybody. You just kind of shorten those periods of real struggle and self doubt when you've got more experience, because you know, the other side of it's coming, like, you know, eventually that's, that's going to, it's going to balance out. But when it, when you're few and far between those moments and you don't have a lot of experience, man, it is tough. Yeah. It's a, it's a hopeless feeling for sure, because you, like you said, you haven't had enough of those high moments, you know, and, and riding the top, you know, and, and you do, you just really sit there and think this, this is not happening. I'm, I suck yeah. at this. I'm not doing any good. But yeah, like you said, after some experience, after some kills, after punching the tags, years of experience, you realize, hey, my turn is coming. My time is coming. If I'm sitting in that stand or if I'm in that ground line or whatever, it's going to happen. It, it just It's yep. a numbers game. It's going to happen. Keep playing the game, doing what I'm supposed to do. Uh, but it sure as crap ain't going to happen when I'm sleeping in or I decide to sit at the desk and, and work at the office or whatever. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. That's what my dad used to always tell me, and and uh, it's it's so true. Uh, you got to stay after it. Well, Tony, tell me, transitioning to you know your early start and, and getting started as a hunter, what where was that point where you decided, or what caused you, or what helped you, or, or pushed you to take your hunting, your love for bow hunting, and and turn it into a career where you said, hey, this is something I want to do, something I'm gonna do. When did that start, and how did it kind of unfold for you, man? I- when I was, when I was young, you know, I'd read field and stream and outdoor life and bow hunter magazine. And I, I, I always loved to write mm. and I always loved to read outdoor stories. You know, I mean that a lot of the stuff that came out of Africa, whatever, I mean, I was, I would consume it. And it was just one of those things. It was like for most of my growing up years, like I thought about that job like a, you know, an NFL player or an astronaut or something. It was yeah. like, it was never going to happen. Right. Yeah. Like I thought it was like, that was somebody else. Somebody else gets that job. Yeah. And I just had a, enough encouragement growing up through some of my, like, especially when I got into college, some of my professors saying, you know, you should, you should probably try this. Like you, you yeah. seem to have like some kind of natural bend toward this. Yeah. And I had a, so I reached out to an editor, I think, it was right when I graduated college, it was 2003, and uh, he gave me a shot to write some fishing pieces, mm. and, you know, I got paid 35 bucks for them, yep. and, you know, he bought a couple from me, but it was like, oh my God, like this, this could potentially kind of happen, Yeah. and, you know, it took me a lot longer than that, it took me years after that to actually get a job in the industry, but, I mean, it was just one of those things where it was like, kind of always just like in the back of my mind, like, man, you know what you really like to do mm-hmm. like this. If you could make this happen, this would be your thing. Yep. And 
I just kind of didn't believe it. And I, I mean, I had a lot of people in my life tell me like, this is like where I came from. You didn't go try to do this. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I grew up in a little dairy farming community. It was just like, this is go, go do something (laughs) useful. Go do something that's actually going to turn into a career. Right. But I ended up just getting enough chances where it was just like, man, like I can, I feel like I can hang on. Like, I feel like I could turn this into something. And I had people, you know, throw me a lifeline different times. Like, I know, you know, you knew Mike Strandland before he passed away. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mike with Bowhunting World, um, he gave me some assignments when I was like super close to just giving the dream up where I was like, I don't know, man, like this, I don't think I can live off of like 10,000 bucks a year. Like, I I think I got to go. back to landscaping or something and i just had these moments where people just helped me out and it just turned into something where it was like wow some consistent work came in and started to become this thing where i was like i feel like i can i can if i stay hungry yeah this will be a viable option and i don't know man i just i feel real lucky that I just, I, I had moments where I stuck with it and, and people kind of encouraged me or gave me a chance and it made a big difference. Right. Right. That's awesome. And that's just what it takes. It's that encouragement. And that's, man, my, my story is very much the same. I had written a, a paper in college, my first year of college. Um, and I don't even remember what the class was for. It wasn't a writing class. I wasn't, I wasn't doing journalism. I don't remember what the paper what it was, what the class was for, but I did an article or did a story on my first duck hunting experience and just told the story of the journey up in the boat, going up through the flooded timber and following the uh, little yellow oil cans that had been hung. Nobody used reflectors at that time. They just used these, they hung yellow oil cans, you know, just to, up through the woods. That was the marker to get to the blind. And we followed those oil jugs hanging from the trees. And it was just a scary yet exciting, thrilling experience. And just, just went through that whole story telling about my first duck hunt and uh, turned it in for that class. That, But, you know, the professor, he referred to that. He bragged on it all semester long. He kept going back and, you guys, you know, you need to look to, if you want to see how to do this particular piece, you need to, you know, look at Brody's story he wrote. Brody wrote a story back earlier in the year, and, and he just kept referring to it as a model story. And I, I thought, my gosh, man, I mean, that's kind of cool. There must be something there. And then so later on when – uh, the local newspaper guy said, "Hey, you want to? Have you, have you ever done any writing, outdoor writing?" I said, "No, I haven't." But I, you know, I wrote this piece in college, you know, last year, and it was, um, you know, it was a evidently a decent piece. You know, he bragged on a lot, so it kind of lit a fire, made me want to do something along that lines. And so he let me write for a, a coyote hunting piece for the the local outdoor section in the newspaper, and I, I think it was supposed to. I think it's supposed to pay 25 bucks, and I think the dude stiffed me. I really think he did because looking back, I remember thinking, telling my wife, hey, I'm getting paid for this stuff now. This is kind of a big deal, 25 bucks on this deal here. And then the guy stiffed me, and she's like, yep, I, I, here you go. You, you ain't getting nothing. And uh, my first paying gig that I remember was it was a $50 deal. It came kind of as that one. You know, the guy saw that newspaper article, and then the Mid-South Hunting Fishing News regional magazine editor called. said, hey, I saw your – article in there want to see if you do some deer hunting stuff for us and and uh and that that was the first paying gig that i know it was a, a done deal and it was 50 bucks and like you said man 50 bucks at the time i thought oh my gosh this is this is amazing i'm getting paid to to write i might as well go ahead and quit now and and, and you know jump into this full time 50 bucks a pop for an article is is you know i thought it was big time like my name there on the byline i got a check for it and i mean it was uh it was 
you know, it just blew my mind that, you know, you could do that. Because like you said, everybody else was saying, man, you need to use your college degree. You need to go and, and, and pursue it. Get you a real job, you know. And um, yep. But, man, what a what a fun journey it was and to, to kick off. And like you said, it was just word of mouth. It was somebody helping somebody else out and, and somebody spreading the word and just uh, one guy scratching your back and you get – get a job done and, and keep going from there. So it was, it was kind of a neat deal to see uh, how it all unfolded. And obviously the bow hunting game has been your niche uh, as far as, you know, really from the beginning, as you said, uh, but you've had opportunity to write for a number of publications and, and uh, some legendary people you've got to work with. Who are some of those people that you look back? I mean, I know some of the legends in the bow hunting world have, have fallen since we, uh, have been in it. Some guys I looked up to and followed have yep. gone on to meet their maker. But who are some of your favorite guys you had the opportunity to work with and maybe work for, or write for, or, uh, as far as different guys in the industry? Oh man, there's been a whole bunch. I mean, it's I, you know I was really lucky to work work with Dwight. Yeah. You know, Dwight Shue. Um, I've gotten to know like Randy Almer pretty well. Um, you know, he's a guy I respect a ton. Yeah. I did a lot of work with Tom Miranda for a long time. Yeah. Uh, this is, you know, this, it, w- one of the things that it, it really blew my mind, uh, getting into the industry and, you know, not only the, the writing side, but, you know, working with some of the TV stuff Yeah, was, you know, just, it was like so consistent where, I'd meet somebody who I knew of, whether it's, you know, Lee and Tiffany or Fred Eichler or somebody like that. And they're just good people. Yeah. Like, like over and over, like very rarely would I meet somebody who had a name in the hunting space where I'd walk away and be like, I don't, I don't really want anything to do with that. Right. It happens. But mostly I was like, these are just like really good down to earth people. And, you know, I, I was lucky. I was lucky right away to get to work with, you know, Winky and Almer and some of those guys and just, just get to know them and you know it felt yeah i'm sure you probably felt this way too i was like i don't belong here yeah (laughs) oh gosh yeah i remember when i got hired uh at peterson's bow hunting and you know 06 or 07 i went to ata my first time and our first night we had dinner and i'm sitting between bill winky and randy almer and randy almer's talking to me about his mule deer yeah and i'm this is stupid. Like this yeah. is, I don't, I shouldn't be here, you know? And, you know, I obviously I got to know Kurt Wells super well and he was, he was one of my favorite editors to work for. And, you know, now I'm over at the meat eater thing and getting to work with some of these guys. And it's just, it's just neat. Yeah. Like I, I, I've a lot of my really good friends are in this industry, you know, almost all of them. Right. And it's just, it's cool, man. I, there's, there's been a lot of really, really cool people. And I know, so many of those, you know, those bigger names, they've, you know, they helped me, but yeah. they've helped out a lot of people. Like they've yeah. done a lot of things for the, for the industry and for hunting as a whole that kind of, you really don't hear about, yep. but that they did, they did change people's lives and they did help people out. And I, I just love that, man. Yeah. Well, I think that's what, that's when you know, you've got somebody that's the real deal when it's not all about them and their attitude and their ego and their, character you know is, is putting this out there and, and just saying hey look at me and trying to build you know themselves but when they go beyond themselves to helping others to further in the industry seeing newcomers come up uh, mentoring a you know a, a younger person in the uh, outdoor industry whatever that's that's when you know you've got somebody that's in it for the right reasons because there are i mean we know uh 
you know, plenty of folks that are, it's all about them and they, they just want to make a name for themselves. They want to be a rock star in the industry. That's what they want to be, uh, be known for the, you know, baddest bow hunter on the planet, whatever. Um, but like I said, when you, you've got that person that, that is looking to further the game, further, you know, conservation, further other people and their abilities, you know, and, and just that get over themselves and, and look out to help others. That's a, an awesome thing to see. And like you said, there, there's a lot of good people that are doing just that in the industry. And um, yeah. it's oftentimes we – social media you see and people griping about a lot of the, the crap or whatever, but um, like any media outlet – they fail to report on the good stuff that's happening, you know, and the good people that are out there doing good things. And so, uh, yeah, really I mean, cool it, the social media thing's tough because it's a, it's a narcissistic machine Yeah, and it's easy and it's free and it allows some of those, you know, less desirable personality traits to really run wild. And, you know, it does allow some of these people who are in it, maybe for reasons that we're not super huge fans of it, it allows them to amass an audience and, and reach a lot of people. And there's definitely some danger to that, Absolutely. but you know, and it, so, but at the same time, they also show their hand, right? Like it's, yeah. you know, you can see what they're doing. It's not, it's pretty transparent. And so I just go, okay, well, I, I hope we kind of call that out. Yeah. Right. And right. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, but on the other side of things, you get to see people who, you know, they're going to represent us well and, you know, not only like help people and mentor and all the stuff you just talked about, but also just not make us look bad or not right. get us. I mean, like the hunting community, like not yep. get us into trouble. They're going to conduct themselves in, in a way that's just, you're like that guy, that guy, that lady, she's, they're safe. Like yep. they're going to, they're going to not hurt us in any way. That's and right. when they do that, they're helping us. That's right. And that's important, man. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. It, it's definitely everywhere you look, you've got somebody that is, uh, you know, a good ambassador that's, that's carrying the torch and, and, and doing a good thing for hunting. Uh, and then you got some that are running equally hard in the other direction. And it's just like, don't do that and shut your mouth. Just, you know, it's just like, oh, gosh, hide them. Don't let the world see that particular person or what they're doing because they just – Everything they say is just, it just seems like it's a kick in the nuts in the wrong direction. And oh man, uh, it's a downward spiral uh, in so many ways on that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a never ending deal. And like you said, social media is, is a blessing and a curse. It's a, it's a beast on both sides uh, and it can be good and bad and, and highs and lows on it all. But uh, anyway, fun stuff. Well, man, hey, listen, let's, let's switch gears just a, a minute. I want to talk about, some crazy mishaps. I know we've talked about different things in the past as far as some crazy stories, and you've got plenty, and we'll talk more in some other episodes and different things. But uh, I do want to talk about the, the infamous fence incident and maybe any other. I know stuff happens when you're, you're around, and we um, and, I, and I love that. I, we've enjoyed hanging out in camp on a couple occasions, and, and like I said before, you and I have – we talked about this in previous podcasts with yours, but um, – we, we are in the same mindset of when we go into camp, um, we just, we like opportunities and it doesn't matter if it's, you know, means turning a deer hunt into a hog hunt or whatever. Um, it's just, it's just good times and, and, and camp. And, and we share that, uh, as bow hunters and hunters, just that killer instinct to get in and make something happen. 
Uh, but oftentimes there's some crap that happens, and I, I know we talked about this fence story before, but walk us through the the, the, the nearly neutered fence incident um, and the, the mishap, how that went down. Uh, man, so 2015, uh, Jace Bowserman, you know, fellow outdoor writer, and then uh, a couple of my buddies, we decided let's go – down to Oklahoma and bow hunt public land. Let's just, you know, like you, you know, we pick a, pick a state or two every year to go new, some new place. Yeah. And that year we were looking at the Oklahoma, you know, non-resident licenses and the opportunities and like, let's, let's just go do that. And so we drove the 14 miles down there. My buddy and I did, or sorry, 14 hours, uh, got camp set up, started raining and we hunted in the rain pretty much nonstop for like six days, you know, camping. And I mean, it was, it was really fun. I mean, I killed a couple of does, a couple of other guys killed some does. We had some chances at bucks and we were on deer. We were on turkeys. We found a few pigs. I mean, it was, it was fun. Other than the fact that you were camping in, you know, just, just almost nonstop muddy, rainy. Right. Right. And, you know, and that, that, that wears on you. Sure. Uh, you know, it, but, but it is what it is. It happens once in a while. Right. Well, on the, on like the sixth day of our hunt, we had the, the day before a buddy and I had gone out, we're like, let's just go spot and stalk. Cause these deer are moving cause of the rain. And we had a freaking blast. We didn't kill a deer, but we got, we stalked a whole bunch of different whitetail bucks and in, in the scrub and the mesquite and just, you know, it was fun. Yeah. So the next morning, you know, you wake up, it's pouring rain again. I'm like, I could mm. go sit a stand or I can go crawl around and see if I can get on one. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to go stalk one because we had low standards in a, a target rich environment. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I went out, found some deer, blew it, was walking back the road toward camp and I saw two bucks out on this ridge and i was like man the wind to get to them the wind's gonna be rough but i'm gonna try it yeah and i got in there blew them out you know and i'm like okay i'm like i'm done with this hunt yeah. <laughs> like this is this is good enough Moving it's, it's on. yeah and so i i started to walk out and uh there's there's cattle grazing all over on this grassland down there and so the fences are all well-maintained new barbed wire fences yeah and I hit the last fence of the trip, literally. Like, I'm not being facetious. Like, this is the last one I got to cross after six days of crossing <laughs> these things nonstop. Yeah. And Paul guy, I'm 6'2". And so usually I can step over the sag in the middle. Right. But we're, these were taut, man. And yeah. so uh, you kind of you kind of just develop this method where you stand on the bottom strand, kind of put both your hands on the fence post and sort of pivot yourself over the top. Yep. And but But you're standing on one of the wires. Right. And you know, I'd done this yep. two dozen times that week. Yep. Well, I, I go into the last one swing over and all of a sudden I'm on the ground and it feels like my nuts are on fire. Oh it feels God. like my stomach is on fire and I look down and I've got blood everywhere. Oh, son. I'm like, my, my first thought was I just ripped my nuts off. <laughs> Like the, the very first thought I had, cause it felt like I did. And you're scared I, to look. You're like, I don't need, I don't. Yeah. Oh gosh. I'm standing on the side of the road. I stood up and in a panic, dropped my pants. And I, the, the wave of relief that washed over me when I saw that I was still intact was insane. It was like, 
it was like I don't care. It was like a false sense of security. Oh I was like, gosh. Or now that I know that, and I checked my stomach because that that fence post had slammed into my junk pile and then right up into my stomach. Oh wow! And so I had a ton of pain, yeah. but everything was still there. There was no major like there. There's some little cuts and scrapes and stuff, yeah. but yeah, it's there. I was like, okay, like I'm walking away with this. I'm feeling pretty good, but I'm like, where did all this blood come from then? Well, my hands from holding on to the fence when it broke, I'd cut my hands all up yeah. and I, I hit my face on that top strand. So I had a, I had a pretty good cut up kind of like on my hairline on my temple. Yeah. So when I looked down from my hands and my face, there was blood all over my lap, oh my gosh. but you know, you're like, I got some cuts on my hands. I got some cuts on my face. I'm okay. Yeah. Generally. But I started to like, I started to get like the pain started to set in. Like right. I, I, I was like, this, this sucks. And, but I didn't, I didn't really know, yeah. you know? And so I called Jace cause I could see camp, but I was, I was quite a ways down the road. And so I'm like, if you're coming up the road or you're in camp, like come get me. And he's like, well, I'm driving up right now. So I started walking and he pulls up like 30 seconds later and he rolls down the window and he like recoils when he sees me break him <laughs> out he's like, yeah he's like bro this is not good and so we go up into camp he, he drives me up there and one of my cousins is there he he just drove up because he lives in texas and he hung out with us and shot photos and jace's wife is a nurse oh, and so he's got like a pretty good first aid kit yeah and he's but he's like you gotta go to the hospital dude and i'm like I don't want to go to the hospital. Like I want to go home. Yeah. Like I, I don't feel like there's anything super bad here. It doesn't look like I, it looks like I can get away with no stitches. And I'm like, I'm just sore. I'm, I'm wet. I'm gross. Yeah. Like, you know, we've got a wet camp to put together to go home and we're 14 hours from home. Mm. So I'm like, I, I want to get this over with. Right. And so he's like, I don't know, man. So we call his wife who's at work. And so we got a doctor and a nurse, like, this is what you got to do. You got to, you know, and Jace had like butterfly bandages and he had, yeah. uh, super glue and stuff. So, and iodine. So he's like, he starts putting me together, like, you know, closing all the stuff on my hands and on my face and wrapping me up. And I'm like, I'm like getting taken care of, you know, like yeah. we got a, we got, we got some actual medical professionals kind of walking us through this. Yeah. Well, then the doctor goes and, and you know, what's your tetanus shot situation? Oh, no. And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know, man. I'm like, I get stitches fairly often, uh, just from stuff, you yeah. know? And, you know, not like, not like every year, but like every couple of years, it seems like I got to get sewed up somewhere. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I think it's, I don't think it's been too long, but I started doing the math and I'm like, I don't know. I think it has been kind of a while. Yeah. He's like, well, you go get a tetanus shot. And I'm like, well, how long do I have? And he's like, I don't know, maybe like 24 hours. Oh, wow. I'm like, we're going home. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll, I'll go home and get it. And so I'm like, okay, I feel okay. And my cousin had some kind of painkiller with him. I don't remember what it was, but he's like, take these. Yeah. And so I just took them and it, it helped. But we're driving home after we load everything up. My, buddy, my buddy's driving my truck. And I had a brand new truck too, by the way. Mm. Driving home. And we're, we're looking at the, the, you know, the map on my phone and like, okay, we're going to get to the far side of Kansas city, get a room, order a pizza 
and, you know, break up our drive, do the rest in the morning, you know, right. and we're in like downtown Kansas city mm. and my truck stopped shifting oh my gosh. and just pull off on this random exit. Cause we saw a Chevy dealership right there and pull over. We can only go like 10, 15 miles an hour. So I call up the dealership and they send out a tow truck and we walk to this hotel and I'm like, I can't believe this. You know, we've got the back full of tree stands yeah, and, camp right. and cooler dead deer in it. And my truck's covered in that red gumbo from yeah. down there. This sucks so much. And so we get, we get into the hotel. I'm like, you know, the, the truck was under warranty. So they're like, we'll give you a car. I'm like, well, I'm still like nine hours from home. Like, right. well, I gotta, I gotta drive my buddy home and then come back and get my truck. But before that happens, we walk into this super eight or whatever the motel is there check in and I walk in to take a leak and I look down and everything I've got is black, like bruised every, I mean, bruised black. And I'm like, Oh my God. And so I take a picture and I send it to my wife. I'm like, SOS, what do I do? And she's like, I don't know either get home or you go to the hospital. Like, I don't know. Oh and she, you know, she's a physical therapist. Like she's, she works in the medical field. Yeah. But she's like, she's like, that does not look good. Yeah. And yeah. so I'm like, I don't know how long I'm going to be stuck here. I don't have a vehicle. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. And so she's like looking up, she's like, well, there's a Walgreens with like a walk-in clinic down the highway from you. Mm. Like maybe go in there in the morning, at least try to get your tetanus shot. And, you know, maybe talk to them, like talk to somebody yeah. who's like a nurse or a doctor. And so I try to sleep that night and I'm telling you, my nuts are freaking blazing, man. I'm like, I am not feeling good. Yeah. And so in the morning, talk to the dealership. They're like, we can get you a car later. And so I just walk down the ditch of, you know, whatever interstate it is, end up at this Walgreens and I walk in, punch in my name, whatever, go to check in. And they call me in eventually. And this woman's sitting there and she's like working on her computer. And she's like, okay, what do you need? And looks like you're, you need a tetanus shot. I was like, yeah, I need a tetanus shot. And she, she turns around she goes, okay. And then she goes, I can't help you. And I go, why not? And she goes, you're covered in injuries. Oh, gosh. And because I was all wrapped up and my right. face was taped up. And I go, I know that's why I'm here. Yeah. And she goes, I can't give you a tetanus shot when you're already injured. And I was like, I was like, lady, I don't have a choice. Like I gave her the sob story. I'm like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. I'm stuck here. Yeah. This is what happened to me yesterday. And I'm like, I, I at the end, she's like, she's like, doesn't want to do it. And at the end, oh, I'm like, wow. lady, my balls are black. <laughs> do I need to and show I, you what I've got going on? I, I'm dying uh, here. Uh, please give me the shot. And she's like, I, I really shouldn't. I was like, what, what, what are we worried about here? Yeah. And she goes, you have a reaction to it. I was like, I was like, I have nowhere to be. How long do you need me to stay here before yeah. we know? And she said, I can't remember what she said, 15 minutes or a half hour or something. I'm like, you got it. I'll yeah. sit in the waiting room. So she gave me the, the tetanus shot. I finally talked her into it and ended up getting a, getting a loaner car from them driving home having to turn around drive all the way back two days later to get my truck it was and I, i'm telling you brody you know you know how it is when you go on a trip 
and you've been gone a long time. You come home and see your wife. You're like in caveman mode. Yeah, yeah. I, I was not that. Not this I, time. Not this time, nope. honey. Oh there was my gosh. Three. So three weeks after this whole thing happened, I could see a perfect fence post bruise across my oh, junk. Yeah. Perfect, like still yellow. Oh, good yeah. gosh. That's what I was going to ask you. What it took to to recover. Oh, so you're you're looking at a, a easy month just to recover from the incident. So what happened? Like the the bottom the bottom strand gave pulled out of the fence, or what? What was the deal? It, the bottom strand broke. Yeah. So just as I was over the top of the fence post, my, the trap door opened up underneath me. Uh, so I fell straight down on top of the fence post, and my head came straight down and smacked into the top strand. Oh gosh. And you know, it was just, it was a bad deal. Yeah. And I mean, I've been injured in the outdoors a few times, but this right. one, this one took the cake. Yeah. And it, I hate to say this, but like after it all kind of cleared up, like as an outdoor writer, I'm like, it's a great story. Beautiful story. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. yeah. Everybody wants to hear the story about the time you almost lost your nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but man, at the time, and I, dude, I see stuff like, you know, I don't know, like a, a viral video of some dude skateboarding where a skateboard breaks and he racks his nuts on a, a yeah. rail or something. And, you know, like every guy like generally is like, oh, right. you have but to. I, right. You're right. Yeah. I'm like, I see that. And I don't even like I want to just if I could hit a button and not be on this world anymore, I would hit it. Because it's oh, like gosh. it brings back just bad memories. I was going to say flashbacks, man. You're you're immediately dangling in, in Oklahoma, dangling in Oklahoma. Just. Yep. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the flashbacks and the cringe and just the uh, the pucker factor on that would. I mean, I'm sitting here in my chair, just just drawn up already, just thinking, "Holy smokes!" I mean, who hasn't done that a million times? I've I do the same trick. You 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 put your foot on the strand. You take a lot of the weight off using that post. You get your body weight on the post. You're not everything's not on the strand of wire. You throw your foot over. You're hanging on to that. You're just kind of teeter tottering on that post as you throw your body over and grab the next side and holy smokes man we do that i've done that forever and uh yeah but yeah well you know you want to know who doesn't do that anymore <laughs> oh gosh yeah well that's yeah that is never, never game changer again. yeah when i when i walk up to a fence there's nobody who considers uh how to cross the fence more I, i'm like a i'm like a high level mathematician when i walk up to a barbed wire fence now i'm like I'm getting through there somehow, and it's not going to be the way I used to do it. That's right. That's right. There's got to be a foot on both sides, uh, enough sag in the fence to get a foot on both sides, and even then you're kind of sketchy. And uh, we've got a yeah. lot of hot yeah. fences. But, yeah, I think about you now every time I see a barbed wire fence. Most of the farms we're hunting right here are hot fences, and so I usually just send one of the kids up there to check it out for me first, you know, let them <laughs> grab a hold of it or whatever. But that's a tough one, and – uh we all learn in different ways, different capacities, and and you you've got the the hard lesson on that one there. Holy smokes! I mean, you know how that is, man. The outdoors, you it, it's going to get you somehow. You know, That's I right. mean, bees. I've had I've had so many run-ins with bees hanging stands, or you know, yeah. broken ribs with a stand given out on me, and yeah. you know, fish hooks. I mean, I I put a freaking uh treble hook through my neck or into my neck skin this oh, year oh gosh so you when know, you, I mean, just, 
what do you do on that? Do you do you you just you cut it out, or did it go through, or there was a barb all the way through where you could cut it out, or did you have to do the little? Well, have you ever done the little yank method that I see people yep. do all the time? Because I still don't understand that, and I've not done that, and I cringe when I see it, but I I don't completely understand how that works or or whatever. Have you had to utilize that? I've done that many times. I've done it a lot fly fishing. Yeah, uh, it works really good with the little hooks. Okay, with big hooks. It doesn't, it, at least in my experience. And this one, so I was fishing for Northerns with my brother-in-law and I was throwing a big, uh, you know, like a half ounce gold spoon of some sort. And, you know, we we're just messing around and I hooked this Northern. It was like, a, it was a little fish. It was like a two pounder yeah. and it just, it came up to the surface and rolled and it spit that the, the hook came out and that sucker came back at me like a rocket. Mm. And the one of the worst feelings that I I know in the outdoors is when you get hit with a lure and you don't hear it fall to the bottom of the boat because oh, <laughs> you know it's stuck. It's somewhere. Right. This, this one's stuck in this the neck uh, or my neck skin, like right above my collarbone, <sighs> and it went straight in. So I couldn't just push it out. Yeah. You know, like sometimes you pop them out and then you pinch the barb and you're good to go. Sometimes you can can just back them out. This one sucked. Like I had to, I had to drive the boat back and I had to cut my shirt off and I'm standing in the mirror trying to work on this thing. And I tried to just pull it out with the pliers, couldn't do it. And so I ended up having to get a, uh, like a replaceable uh, blade knife, like a really sharp scalpel level type knife. Right. And I had to cut my skin straight down Ooh. to clear out that barb. And I'll tell you what, man. When I, when I finally got that thing out, I was shaking so bad mm. having to just like hold my skin in place and cut it. Yeah. After that, this is not. Dude, yeah. <laughs> not yeah. fun. My, bro- my brother-in-law couldn't even watch it. Yeah. He just had to go to the room. There's a difference. You know, we can be up to our elbows in, in deer guts and pulling stuff out of a carcass. But there's something about when you're working on yourself or you're seeing somebody work on your own self or even a family member, man, that, that crap gets me. Like if, you know, um, yeah, I mean that I, I've gotten a little woozy this last year. I cut my finger bad. Um, just skinning squirrels. I was just cleaning squirrels. I just got going too fast and careless. And I cut a big slice out of my fingertip. And it was one of those, it was a big flap. And so I had this flap hanging there and it's like, dang it, man, that's deep. And it's this big flap. And I, I, I kept, I was trying just to pull the flap on off. I was just like, all right, I've got to get this thing off because it's not going to heal back. And it's just this. Yep. And I, I started yanking on that thing and I couldn't do it. My fingers were, everything's bloody. I was wet. My hands were slick. And so then I get a Leatherman and I'm just over there. And I, I guess I just wasn't squeezing down tight because I was, you know, just all the cringe of it. I, I just wasn't yanking. So I'm in the bathroom and I'm pulling on this skin with the Leatherman, just trying to yank it off. And in the ordeal, I'd had my eyes closed for a lot of it, you know, just whatever. When I open my eyes up and I realize when I'm yanking, every time I yank my hand, it's just spitting blood. And, and uh-huh. the, the whole counter, I mean, this white, you know, countertop, everything's blood everywhere on the floor. On the countertop, it's just blood. You know, just, it looked like a crime scene. And as soon as I saw that, and I, I, the next yank or two, you with my eyes open, it was just, man, I got lightheaded, dude. I was about to go out. And I laid down on the floor and um, it, it just got me. Like I said, the, seeing the blood everywhere looked like a stinking crime scene. Knowing I'm sitting here trying to rip this flap off my finger, it's not happening, and uh, ended up going and getting some scissors and just cutting it <laughs> off like that. I was like, why didn't I think of that to begin with? You know, but uh-huh. it was awful. And uh, yeah, working on myself or yeah. stitches, almost you know, whatever, man. It that just uh, it sends me to 
to woozy, man. It's it's no good for me. If it has it always been that way for you, or did it did it hit with that moment and it has come since? It, it's it's I think it's probably been like that for the most part. I remember getting stitches one time in the back of my neck, and uh, every time I could feel them tug, like I couldn't see anything. But when I felt them pull, and I feel my neck kind of you know when I, my neck would my head would go back from when they're tightening up those stitches. That got me. You know what I'm saying? Just like yep. I know what they're yep. doing. I know they're literally sewing my neck up, you know, sewing the spot up, this cut, and, and just visualizing that and feeling that tug on my, you know, and I was like, oh, oh, I'm going to lay back a little bit here, you know. So, yeah, it's just been different things, you know. I mean, yep. but my kids being born didn't bother me. I watched that happen. That was the most fascinating thing I'd ever seen, but just certain little stuff, cuts, certain conversations about what you're going to do to, for the surgery or whatever, I just it gets me. And uh, dude, I, I thought I was like bulletproof with that stuff because I never got woozy or, you know, like I actually kind of like like giving blood. Like I kind of like seeing it. I don't know why. Like needles don't bother me. Yeah. But man, I shot a I shot a turkey one time. Uh, I don't know. I was like 25, 26. I shot this bird in Minnesota, and it was you know it was a nice bird, whatever. I came home and I was gonna. I was going to cut up a piece of cardboard to, to spread out the fan and salt it. So it would, you know, dry and you could display it. Yeah. And so I'm, I grabbed these meat scissors and I was just cutting the cardboard, not paying attention, kind of pushing it through. And I slipped and I stuck one of the arms of the scissors into the <sighs> meat of my palm. Uh, uh, it went in, gosh. I mean, it went in pretty deep, Yeah. but I looked down at this scissor stuck into my hand and it's the same thing. Like I started to get woozy when I pulled it out and I was like, it was a, such a bizarre feeling. Cause that had never happened before. Like I've been yeah. stitched up quite a bit and you know, I don't know. I like never had that feeling. And ever since then, there's just times where like something happens yeah. and I feel that coming in and I'm like, damn, like what did I do to myself with that? Cause it, it like felt like I changed Yeah, and, and it just, it, that's a horrible, horrible feeling. Yeah. I'm sure you hear this all the time from like non hunters or, or like weekend warriors, you know, you, you live a cool life. You get to go hunt a lot of different stuff. Yeah. And you know, people are always like, well, what about, you know, maybe it's different for you cause you live farther south, but it's always like, Oh man, you hunt around rattlesnakes or, you know, you've been yeah. around mountain lions Yeah. and you know, people think like that's where all the danger is. And it's always the dumb little stuff. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, it's never, you know, like very rarely is it like the cool animal that's going to eat you. Yeah. It's always like dumb little thing you do to yourself or some little decision you make yeah. that gets you into trouble in a way that you'd never expect. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's a stupid squirrel. I was skinning a squirrel, honey. She's like, why are you passed out on the floor? I was skinning a squirrel and I cut my finger. You know, it's like, it's, it's nothing manly. Like, you know, got attacked by a mountain lion. It's, I was, I was skinning a squirrel. Those, the- those squirrels are dangerous, man. I, <laughs> We were probably, this was back in my drinking days, but me and my buddies went squirrel hunting one day and we came back and we had a bunch of, bunch of squirrels to clean. We, we were doing that method where you both, you cut them and you both pull to skin them. That's right. And I, you know, I had a hold of my end and my buddy grabbed the other end of the squirrel and I went to pull and he just wasn't ready. And that little claw, that squirrel cut the pad of his thumb. Oh yeah. And, yeah. You know, and whatever, like, ouch, no big deal. Yeah. And then he got an infection in that. And it ended up having to go in. Same kind of deal. Yep. Yep. Squirrels will get you. Really, bushy tails are the dangerous game out there, bro. Yeah, it's it's the dangerous game of the South, no doubt. We've 
we've got them, and uh, you never know. So, well, dude, we better wrap this thing up. My little dude's out here hollering at me. He's, I, I've seen him come by the office window a couple times now. He's uh, they're out of school, and uh, we've got some jalapeno cheddar summer sausage out on the smoker, and he keeps giving me the signal that it's at one forty-five, and I said, "Well, we better get it. We better get the better get it off the smoker." And uh, turning some meat up here so appreciate your time always good catching up with you let's do it again soon you and your girls have a great rest of the year man i, I really appreciate it buddy thank you always a good time talk to you soon all right see ya. all right guys that's it we're gonna shut this one down for this week man i can't thank you enough for hanging out with us for this episode hanging out with us for this podcast you know i know there's bukus of other podcasts out there there's other podcasts you invest your time in uh, so it means the world for us to know that you are spending a little bit of your time each week with us right here for this podcast. Thank you again for joining us and being a part of our family. Uh, I hope you find some value in it each week as we encourage you, share stories with you, whatever it may be. Thank you for hanging out with us here at the Hunting Roots Podcast. Be sure to go online if you haven't already done so. We've got some merch there, hats, t-shirts. we got more stuff on the way, so be sure to check those things out. All proceeds from that go to... Uh, fund our shooting sports programs, our camps we do in the spring and summer. You know, last week I shared about our Hunting Roots Turkey Camps coming up in Mississippi, Alabama, and Tennessee. And, man, I got a call from a a guy that listened to the podcast from down in South Mississippi and uh, called up and said, hey, tell me more about your camps. And he and his son and a a friend of a friend, they're coming to be a part of our Mississippi camp. They're going to come hang out, talk turkey, hang out with us all weekend for it. It's going to be an awesome time. So if you've got a young man, ages 10 to 15, that's interested in turkey hunting, wanting to advance his turkey hunting skills, just spend a whole weekend with nothing but stinking turkey hunting fools. Uh, you get signed up for this one. It's going to be an awesome one. Huntingroots.com is where you can find out more information on that. Just go to the shop tab, pull it up. You can find out all the information you need to know. Get yourself loaded up for that one. It's going to be an awesome time. Again, hats and shirts and all the merch there as well. Uh, all of that stuff is good, and it will be, again, a great way to help support our programs and uh, the ministry we do using this as a mission to impact the lives of kids through hunting and the outdoors. Uh, we have a big time with it, so please do that as well. Hey, also, while you're at it, if you will, take a few minutes when you're done here and uh, write us a, a review, if you will. Uh, five-star rating on there, and a review goes a long way just to help us get this thing off the ground. So please do so if you haven't already. Again, it doesn't take but just a few seconds of your time and it will go a long way for us. So we appreciate all you do. We look forward to seeing you right back here next week. Shoot straight. God bless.